Hello, and welcome back to What's Your Theory? Uh, we got our most guests ever this week, as with the current events in the world, we thought it would be good to create a dialogue with some folks that have a lot of good insights and have a lot of good things to say. So this week we're joined by Cameron Dunn, Trent Emmanuel, and Talia Pilorget. Am I saying that right? Pilorget. I, I actually like that better, so we can keep that. All right, well, we're starting <laughs> right off the top with the microaggressions. <laughs> no, 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 that, that was great. All right, let's get right into it with how long you've been with MT and what you all do here. Yep, so Cameron Dunn, I've uh, been with Metric Theory for three years now. So it started off as PVC analyst, um, but now you know, taking on a role as a senior manager, team lead, B2B specialist uh, here in our New York office. So working, working across the office from Trent back back when life was normal. Um, but but glad, to, glad to be here. Yeah. Um, this is Trent. You know, I, I was really brought on board to help us build a programmatic practice. Um, I've been here for a year and six months. Um, and yeah, uh, just kind of learning more and more how to integrate programmatic with, you know, our upper funnel initiatives with, you know, some of our existing channels more and more as we go. And I have been with metric theory for about a year. Um, I moved uh, to San Francisco a year ago from Florida. Uh, I'm a media planner. I actually work uh, with Trent um, on a lot of the media buys here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been a good time so far because uh, I came from a much larger agency and now, you know, being in a smaller agency and working so much closer with people like client services director who I never used to even like see in the same room um, has been a really cool experience and working closely with our adults, AKA Felipe, AKA host um, has been especially cool as well. So, all right. Well, thank you for the introductions. Um, so let's get right into it here. Uh, things in the USA have reached a boiling point with the murder of George Floyd as a catalyst for the ignition of tensions that have been building for, you know, depending on your awareness, potentially a very, very long time. And that is kind of the point of this show. We want to be aware that regardless of intentions, some people don't know the most about other people's cultures and or experiences here in the States. Uh, this has certainly dredged up a lot of bad memories from myself as a Latinx gentleman growing up here. And if you would, can you share some feelings or memories that all of this has sparked you know in yourselves yeah so i mean with with everything going on you know, obviously with the the murder of george floyd and obviously countless others um i would say first off it, it dredges up a feeling not just for myself but for other black people across america um you know that's the first thing i really thought of is you know who, who's going to be the next george floyd you know, and that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind each time one of these specific instances happens. Um, it's just that fear that it's going to happen again. When's it going to happen again? Where is it going to be? Is it going to be somewhere where I'm currently living, somewhere where I've lived? Um, so I really mean just that constant feeling of the inability to escape it, I'd say, is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, in terms of personal experiences, I mean, take your pick. I mean, back in high school, I was doing uh, canned food drive and this neighborhood in Cincinnati called Hyde Park. So it's kind of close to downtown, pretty affluent area, really good school district around there. Um, and was doing canned food drive where, you know, as you guys know, canned food drive, you canvass the neighborhood, leave flyers up saying, hey, we're gonna come back next Saturday and collect the canned foods that you guys have in your home that you bought for this um, charity. And broad daylight, high school kid walking around with a box of canned foods has someone yelling at me, hey, wait, stop. 
and start questioning me and saying they're going to call the police, asking what I'm what I'm doing there, because um, they think that I'm playing a hand in a recent string of robberies that they've had in the neighborhood. And I'm their high school kid. I think it was my sophomore year of high school, having to explain myself to this grown adult just because he assumes that a black kid carrying a box in broad daylight, mind you, is 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 robbing from his neighbor or a house down the street. Um, that experienced me, another experience. My dad driving me home from, from one of my friend's houses, again, Cincinnati, um, pretty late. I mean, it was probably around like 11 or midnight. I mean, endless times where I've been in the cars has, has been stopped, um, you know, just for no reason. And that was one of them. But the first one that came to mind is, you know, cops saw my dad, you know, saw, saw a black man driving in a neighborhood where there aren't too many black people um, for missing a, a turn on red. When there are no other cars on the road, there's not a turn on red, by the way. I've been by that street many times. There's no turn on red. It doesn't exist. Um, and, I mean, being young enough to not fully, fully understand, but old enough to know that it goes on and then having that be the first experience, that kind of just kind of just set it off um, to those experiences where you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know what the outcome's going to be. If someone's going to get arrested, if something worse is going to happen. Um, it's kind of just drives up some of those old feelings of, of fear, um, confusion, anger, and uh, almost helplessness, you know, because it can be anybody at any time, you know, essentially. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can relate, you know, to a lot of that and, you know, it brings up, you know, probably two major things to me. Um, you know, the first one being that, you know, you, that fear that it, it could be you, right. Um, and sort of going down that rabbit hole of, you know, trying to navigate the society that perceives you as a threat, no matter what. Um, and that, you know, that leads to feeling dehumanized. Um, and I think, you know, that that's really where at least the anger comes from for me. Um, and, you know, we all have our childhood experiences. Um, I mean, I probably have more, probably can count on, you know, um, more than one hand on sort of how many. Um, I'll, you know, I'll speak to a few whether, you know, I grew up in New York, you know, around New York City in the Westchester area. These are the suburbs, you know, that sort of surround um, the, the tri-state area, right? And, you know, like Cam mentioned, I grew up in a town where many people didn't look like me. Um, and, you know, I think that started from even my parents who raised three boys, right? So I have two other brothers. Um, you know, even when we went to that community, my parents felt like it was necessary to go to that police uh, department and let them know that, hey, you know, I have three sons who are going to be growing up in the school district. Um, you know, th these are tax, these are you know, people who belong to this actual community, right? Um, and just the feeling like the need to do that right it, it is speaks to sort of where i think we all fall on some of this stuff on really being perceived as a threat and you know i've had situations where i've been walking home from my friend's house um you know in a pretty small town and you know i've had cars following me because they're not used to you know seeing people with my skin color in that town um i've had the police called on me um and you know in that moment are when i've noticed 
oh wait, I'm not allowed to be afraid. So even though there's this person following me, I don't know why, right? I might, I think that I'm in danger. You know, I'm not, I'm no longer able to have those human feelings, right? Because of what I look like, right? And so, you know, that's one experience. I've had experiences where, you know, you start at college. I went to school in the Midwest, um, to a state school in the Midwest, Purdue, um, where the first day I'm, I'm going to the dorms, right? I'm seeing Confederate flags um, hanging in my dorm, right? And so now you, you walk around with this fear of like, you don't really know where people stand on this issue. Um, and, and it is, it does require to walk on eggshells because you are perceived as a threat or you have people who generally don't want to see you in these spaces, right? And you don't know what level of risk or danger that could potentially be, right? Um, and so you know, when I, when I see a lot of this stuff happening, it brings up, you know, or it's a constant reminder that regardless how much money I make, regardless where I live, right, you can't really escape from some of this stuff. Um, and we've seen the effect that that's had on, on certain people, right? So, you know, that, that, that's kind of a little insight into my background, but there's, there's going to be complete overlap there with, with a lot of stuff that can't so. I guess for me, you know, I never really understood that, or I don't think I've ever been perceived as a threat. I don't think I've ever experienced that. And, and I can only imagine how crazy that is because, you know, my partner is black. And so it wasn't until I was with him that I started being afraid for him, especially with all of the news that's going on and, and all the crazy things that I'm seeing happening to people who are black. I guess for me as a woman, my experiences are a little bit different in terms of beauty, I guess, you know, growing up in Haiti, I, I grew up in a class, race was never a thing. You know, it, we were half black, we had missionary kids. Um, we had kids of different races. Uh, it, it, it was never a thing. And it wasn't until I kind of moved to the U.S. and, you know, like I had all these uh, things that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to go to university. I and um, I ended up going to study in DC and, 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 you know, I lived in Europe for a little bit and it wasn't until those experiences that I started recognizing something called, well, like skin color is a thing. You know, I wasn't perceived as beautiful as I guess I, I thought I was growing up. Um, I remember being at a regatta in Italy and like the kind of attention that I was getting compared to the rest of like the white women there was so different that me and another girl who looked at me, we were like, are, are you feeling kind of like people are treating us differently? I was like, yeah. And I, I just never understood those things actually growing up in Haiti. I did understand privilege growing up in Haiti, maybe not for my skin color, just because, you know, obviously I'm not sure if you guys are know this, but, but Haiti does suffer with a lot of corruption, poverty, and, 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 and I've faced protests before and, and, and I guess I always turned my head away from it because, you know, it was like, well, I'm safe. I'm going to a good school. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get home safe at the end of the day. And now I'm realizing, like, I felt like all these years in the States, I kind of kept turning my head away from the, the race issue now, the same way I was kind of turning my head away from Haiti at the time. I didn't really understand what was going on. So because of those experiences, I feel very, I have a lot of shame, anger, frustration at myself. I feel like because I recognize this thing about like people are viewing me a different way, I feel like I embraced certain 
um, roots more than others. My grandmother on my mom's side is pure Italian born bred. She just moved to Haiti. Her, And then I have my grandmother on my dad's side is black. And I sometimes even grew up feeling from family members like, oh, you know, oh, like, you know, this grandchild is white. Oh, you know, your Italian grandmother is going to be happy about that. Like I, I grew up hearing these kinds of things. And and instead of being proud of certain roots of mine, I came to the U.S. and I realized that I was embracing more of those like lighter features of mine because I saw that there was an advantage. And I'm giving it to you raw and 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 because that is how I feel. And it's horrible. And I feel terrible about it. And I want to go back to that time where I grew up in Haiti, where that thing was, it was never a thing. I, I, and, and, and that is why racism, I truly believe it is something that is taught. We, we, we're, we're not born this way. And, and I need to t- take a step back. I need to embrace who I am. And, and I'm on that journey now and, and it feels so good. And, and this is only the beginning for me. And, and, and I think this, this movement, so that's just kind of like the feelings that are coming up. Thank you for that, guys. Uh, I can say that people face different kinds of racism and to different degrees throughout their lives, resulting in a very different experience for everyone affected by it, whether it be direct or secondary. I can say for sure that if I didn't have the mentorship that I did at a pivotal moment in my life, wherein my outlook on life was basically fine, I'll be the monster that people keep telling me I am, that I very well could have gone down a different path. And for folks of color, that is not an easy hole to get out of once you find yourself in it. So I'd be interested to hear your takes on the action and inaction that we're seeing in the media, politically, and all around us surrounding the events of the last month. Yeah, I think I think it creates uh, a feeling of conflict because, to your point, I mean, there's there have been a lot of actions that have been taken over the past few weeks. We know more public outcry than we've ever seen for this type of issue. You know, we see protests. The majority of the people at protests aren't black. Um, and it's just getting more attention, more, again, just, just public recognition than it's ever gotten. That being said, it, it just keeps coming back to the feeling of this isn't going to solve it. If, if, if all people ever do is this much, nothing's going to happen. Um, so it, it really just creates a feeling of conflict because you, you want people to keep speaking on it. You want people to keep taking action on it, you know, understanding where they can donate, understanding the types of laws and legislation that are set up that allow for this to continue to happen, um, petitions that people can sign in order to get, you know, a voice out on certain policies or issues. Um, you know, it, it's good to see people doing that. It's just, you don't, you don't want that momentum to, to fall off. Um, and, you know, and I, I keep liking it too, you know, like a basketball game where, you know, you need, you know, getting one bucket, is, is just one bucket, you know, but it's, it's, it's a byproduct of, or I guess a, a step along the way to getting as many points as you possibly can. You don't celebrate every time you score a bucket. So, I mean, it's good to see all of this being done. It's good to see everybody taking these actions. But I think for me, it's just the main thing is I just want to see, I want to see consistency and I want to see it done for an extended period of time because over this past week, you keep hearing people say, Oh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a busy week. You know, it's just a lot going on. It's like, been a, it's been a busy kind of forever. Like it's, it's, it, this, this isn't a new thing. It's just straw that broke the camel's back. You know, we happen to be under quarantine. Everybody's already on edge. Everybody's already having a rough 2020, you know, 2020 was going to be our year. Like everyone's already going through it right now. So, you know, I think just 
with George Floyd's murder, with the Amy Cooper video in Central Park, with Breonna Taylor's murder, with just the string of events that happened in such a short period of time, that's what spurred this action. So I, I just want to see the people who are acting to continue to do so. You know, maybe not in a way where they feel like they need to act every single day, but come up with an appropriate cadence to continue driving this action that you're doing. And the people who aren't acting, I mean, I would say it's, it's, it's time to either get on board or, or just stay in your lane. Um, I would encourage everybody to get on board. Obviously, I don't want people to, to not mobilize when it comes to this issue. You know, the ideal world is everybody mobilizing. Um, but, but, you know, the, the reality is not everybody's going to mobilize. And this time is kind of showing us who, who's, who's falling on, on what side of the fence. Um, and, you know, and I, I think that if you're on the fence, you know what side you're on too, because it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty apparent. So, yeah, so when people who are acting to continue to do so and then want those who um, are on the fence, just, just pick a side and, and, and go with it. Yeah. Um, this has definitely been a tough one for me. It's been a little bit of a mind fuck. Um, and I, you know, I've talked with my brothers about this, um, and some of my friends and cousins, right? Because we, you know, this is nothing new. And I, you know, I, I, I probably sound like a broken record by saying that, right? Like, you know, black people were getting shot down and killed in the street by police, right? Or choked in certain cases, in Eric Garner's case, um, racially profiled that led to murders of Trayvon Martin, right? Like, like being brutally beaten by police, um, you know, with, since the 90s, right? Like, we, we've seen these things happening. Um, and I feel like, you know, people aren't blind to it. Um, I think it takes courage to be anti-racist, right? Like, I think it was very comfortable for people to see these things happen because it's generational, right? So even if you're in your 20s right now, you've still seen a black person publicly be a victim to these issues, right? Um, and I think, you know, the the action to me, I'm hoping that it, it kind of uh, really brings about authenticity, right? On, you know, being able to feel comfortable enough to speak on these issues after you're properly educated, right? Um, so I think, you know, that's the positive part of this, right? But then, you know, the, the cynical part of me definitely looks at this with the side eye a little bit, uh, just because, you know, I wonder what would happen if we saw that same murder and if there wasn't a, a global pandemic happening at the same time that didn't allow people to uh, be on the fence like Cam talked about, right? To be distracted by sports or whatever your hobbies and interests or day-to-days are, right? That allow you to kind of look away or turn away from some of the stuff that we all know is, has been happening, right? Um, and I hope that, you know, it, it creates a safe space for people who are mostly affected by it to talk about it honestly, right? Um, you know, but I hope I, I, I'd like to think that, you know, we can continue on, right? Like this is, we're not all prisoners of the moment um, is, is where what I hope is not sort of happening, right? Where everyone feels compelled to act um, in a short-term capacity, right? And not sort of 
be about it sort of long term, right? And and the one thing you know I would say on that is, at some point, people are going to have to stop being trapped in America's history, right? Like America is not a fixed entity, right? Like we're not the greatest superpower in the world, the greatest country in the world that doesn't have flaws and problems, right? And the 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 quicker we look internally. Um, to, to take inventory of some of these things and call them what they are, the easier it'll be for the people who are being affected and the people who have the privilege and aren't being affected, right? Because I think it shuts off conversation um, and it doesn't allow for, right? Um, so I, like I said, I think, you know, the best part to, I guess one of the best things people can do right now is just understand the scope of the problem. Um, understand, you know, where, where, where the, where, where the enemy lies, right? Like understand and be able to see things from a different lens. Right. And you can't do that unless you're educated. Um, and I think if people focus on that, right the rest should follow, right? Like that you, you, you should be able to tap into the empathy you have enough um, to be able to do whatever it is you deem as your part, right? And there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I think a lot of times I see whether it's my friends or people who don't look like me are afraid to even just uh, speak to some of the things they are doing, um, or afraid to have a conversation to get guidance on the things they should be doing. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with that, with admitting, you know, you were a little asleep at the wheel, you know, in the past, right. Like you can still course correct it. Um, that's how we teach is right. Isn't that what we teach in general, right? Like there's always ways to, um, course correct, you know, th- issues or things you, you've done, right? I don't think this is any different. Um, and, you know, if we, if we start looking at it as a human lens, um, I think it'll help people really navigate whatever that pathway is. Because a lot of this stuff is not that deep as it looks. I think systemic racism, because you can't point your finger at one thing, becomes a little distorting, right? Like you, you don't even know where to start, right? Um, but that's you know at at its core these are we're asking people to have empathy and like and actually carry out those human qualities that we say we have or strive to be and a lot of that is actually not that deep um so you know i I know i said a lot there but i I feel like you know to just sum it up it's it's conflicting right you you want to be able to trust what you what I'm seeing right now as a black person you want to trust that people are going to look at the past and then try to create a better future um in a long-term capacity but you know um I'm I'm not really holding my breath on on this when you know I'd, I'd like to see once things go back to normal we, we we get closer to that normalcy stage you know where are people going to be at on this right like do we still have that safe space did that a safe space evolve right like that that's to me what I think it will take um and you know until we you know, the only time will tell on, on that and we have to do it together right I don't think I'll add to what you both said because I think that was great. But the thing is, is that for us to get to that point, we have to do it together. To quote Rihanna, about Yalrevi, you know, I remember she said, "Yo, you know, we see something. Oh, that that's a black people problem, or that's a woman's problem." 
you have black friends, you have women, you know, that, that you hang out with, that you kick it with, pull up, <laughs> pull up. You know what I mean? And, and, and of course the message is so much bigger than that, but for us to get to that point, it has to be together. And, 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 and I, I just can't stress that enough. And really quickly, Trent, like, yeah, you, you brought up some really good points. I, I think like, one that really spoke to me was not getting caught up in the history of, oh, America's always been at the top. Like America's always been, you know, superpower, been great. It's like, if you only ever think that you're great, how are you supposed to get better? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's like, like that, and that's just, that, that's agnostic of country. That's agnostic of what's going on. It's like, if you're just thinking about yourself and your own personal development, or if you're working at a company and thinking about your company's development, you're on a team. If you only ever think you're great, you're not going to get better. So definitely piggybacking off of what Trent said, like just people just need to take the time to understand that America's not perfect, never has been. Yeah. Definitely. And it is far from it. And just understanding what it will take to get this country to be what is preached in the constitution, what is preached on the pledge of allegiance that we have to say every day when we're, when we're little, like just understanding what actually it takes to be the country that we say we are for yeah. everybody is I think the biggest thing. Cause I mean, right now it's like, you know, it's like you've been in your room for, for months and you open up the blinds and see a whole bunch of dust in your room. Like, all right, are you going to clean it now? Right. Or are you just going to leave the dust there? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it's like, I think America, like as, as far as things I see in the constitution, like they're great. I mean, we're in marketing, right? Like they're great ideas and it's great. It's, I think it's who we can become. It's never, in my opinion, what we ever have been. Um, and you know, I hear that analogy with like it just houses and you know all the time, right? Like we can look really great from with from a curb appeal perspective, right? Like we can, you know, from the outside looking in there, it can look great. You know, your house can be touched up, right? But we all know if there are things internally, right, that that need to be solved and might be tougher challenges, um, you know, rather than sort of you know what what we're seeing on, on the surface. <laughs> That's a very good point, Trent, and I think it's worth noting that everyone can achieve that American dream, as it were, and not at the cost of someone else's something. In addition to the lack of experience with each other's cultures, I think that's a, a good point to make is that a lot of people are fearful of losing their culture, and with the exception of bigotry and hate and such, no one here has to lose anything so that other people can have something. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. Like they think they, they feel like they have to give something up for someone else to have something. Like that, like there's so many finite resources or finite human rights that exist. It's just like, no, like to your point, like just, like just taking steps is like, you might not be able to walk in someone else's shoes, but just understand where they're coming from. Like that's, that's huge. So, so yeah. Yeah, racism in 2020, for the most part, lives within people not understanding what comprises the crux of oppressive actions and systems, I believe. Uh, they think that racism exists solely in intentional action. They'll claim that we live in a post-racial society or that they can't be racist because they have friends that are people of color or have or are currently dating a person of color. Um, I think the existence of systematic oppression and the shifting from direct hostility to microaggressions has kind of erased racism from the forefront of the discussion. But, you know, just because we're not in the 50s with explicitly racist things like whites-only businesses and schools doesn't mean that it doesn't still exist in the attitudes and systems that run our daily lives. It's just moved from the forefront to just slightly behind a veil of decency. 
A good example of this is that I have to see on the news my local anchors asking why it seems that Hispanic people are at a higher risk of contracting coronavirus, like it's part of our genetic makeup, and not the fact that by and large we have to work jobs that put us at risk because of the lack of opportunities or mentorship that exist for us. So to combat this, I'd like to get your takes on what kind of progress can be made towards education, uh, relations, or at the very least, uh, tolerance. Yeah, I, I guess before diving into that, you, you bring up a really interesting point that I wanted to address. Is You mentioned this is in the 50s where you know we have signs saying where black and white people can be. And I mean, obviously, black people were getting the short end of the stick along the way when it came to Jim Crow. The, the crazy part to me about all this, again, before I dive into just the actions that can be taken, is People treat racism and Jim Crow and how the system has been set up as if it's something that's far away and in the past. Like, like it's something that's just completely gone, erased from history. But like, there are people still alive today who lived through that. There are plenty of people still alive today who lived through that. And then at the same time, flip side of the coin, or a different coin, I should say, you have people who won't let go of the Confederate flag for something that ended hundreds of years ago. So like they can't forget their heritage, but we're supposed to forget about what happened, you know, pretty recently if we're really looking at a timeline. So that's something I've always found to be interesting is just like take a take a step back. Like no no one's alive who fought in the Civil War. Like hang it up. It's like it's, it's over. Like you like you've lost. But then like we're supposed we're supposed to forget about something that happened three weeks ago. Like that that's that's just something where I think people just need to understand the impacts of the repeated actions, policies, and systems that have been put in place and how that's sustained over time. So I think that's the first thing in terms of actions, people taking time to understand that, understand the history of it, understand that July 4th doesn't mean the same for everybody in this country, understand that after that another 89 years, people are still enslaved. And then mass incarceration creates an amendment where or is brought about from an amendment that says you're free unless you're a criminal. And then Jim Crow lasting another hundred years, no voting for that same period of time, then people still like people need to take a take the opportunity to just understand what they're up against because that's gonna spur action further. If you think it's something if you think that we're doing all this just because George Floyd was killed, you're gonna sign some petitions, you're gonna post some stuff on your Instagram story and then you're gonna be done with it by end of June. If you take the time to understand that this has been happening for centuries, then you're gonna dedicate time, maybe even budget. If you have a monthly or quarterly budget for donations that you want to use, you're going to dedicate learning and resources to figuring out all the battles that need to be fought. And based on your skill set, which of those battles you're most equipped to fight. So, I mean, it's tough for me to sit up here and say exactly what people need to do because there's so much that needs to be done that I would just generalize it and say, take the time to understand the history of it, understand the fact that most of what's happened throughout that history hasn't been eradicated. It's been transformed into something different. Like you said, today is more systemic. Today is going to be more of the kind of sly, you know, racism that you see. But I mean, the hour racism is still there and it exists because people feel comfortable in doing so. So I, mean, I would just tell people to take the time to understand everything, understand understand how the police force works, understand how mass incarceration is set up, understand how, you know, politicians are able to write legislation based on who's funding their campaigns and who's putting money into their pockets, understand who you're putting into office for when those issues do come up and, you know, take, take the history for what it is, take the facts for what they are, understand what you can do and, and, and go from there. 
So, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that that's really where I can leave it as because there, there's too much to be done to, to, to say what to do next. I can just tell you, start with the history and start with where we are and, and, and understand, you know, what, what exactly we're up against. There's no excuse anymore. Right. Like I think, you know, if you, if we were, well, we were still tasked with these issues, right. You know, when you think about the seventies and the eighties, right. It's just like, you know, with, with the internet, like, and just the tools that we have, right. Like it, 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 it's not, it's at your fingertips um, to, to understand some of these things, right? Um, and I think some people just need guidance on, you know, where to start. Um, but from there, like, you know, if you if you say you love this country as much as you say you do, right? Like, I'd like to think you would then want to understand more about the history. Um, and, you know, I, I, we've been talking about education. I, I think that's probably the... I think that's probably amongst one of the most, you know, biggest contributors to, I think, people either not understanding their privilege or not understanding, you know, that this is really repeating itself over and over again, right? Like, you know, when I, when I was in elementary school, you know, it was pretty much like, you know, we heard about Martin Luther King. Um, we learned about slavery in like confined times, right? So if it was Black History Month, um, we, we would do a deep, well, it's a quote unquote deep dive into that subject, but it was never looked at through the lens of this is actually the history of our country and things get separated into black history, right? And then that's where if it's, because people don't feel like they can learn anything from the oppressed group, it just never gets really, um, it, it, it never gets top of mind. Um, and people walk through this country blind to the realities of, of really how, how the country actually operates. And the fact that racism is just intertwined with who we are as a country, like that you can't really um, conveniently separate them based off of however you're viewing things without the education. Um, and I think, you know, as far as like actions like I've seen become uh, powerful, I think is, you know, I, I would like to think that if you become educated yourself, you can pass that on, right? And I, I think, you know, whether that's to eventually when we all come to the space where we have kids, right, like, you know, being able to kind of teach it correctly, um, I think for the next generation to, to, to run with it, right? And then I think, the other thing that comes, you know, it, it, once you become educated and enough to me to understand just some of the things that are working against black people, right? Like you'll, you'll find whatever your niche is, right? I don't think everyone needs to know it all and have it figured out right now. Like I can say it for me, when I look at the programmatic space, I don't see any black people in it. I think I've, in this last five years, I've seen a up on the publisher side and maybe one within my agency at the holding group level, right? And so when we talked about starting the diversity initiative group, right? Like if you remember any of the things I've ever said was really just focusing on like, all right, like what's that pipeline to get people to either understand programmatic can be, you know, a, a, a pretty lucrative, you know, career, right? And it's like, you know, that's my way of being able to reach back. Like that's the cause to me that speaks to me, but that only came after I became educated, 
right? Like that didn't just come from thin air, right? And I've heard Tupac, you know, one of the most sort of prolific rappers of all time, right? Like you hear in a lot of his interviews, it's like, you know, damn near once you get the the pride, which which comes out of education, understanding who you are as a black person, you know, damn near comes anger because now you look back and see how hard it is to go and help other black people, right? Like to Talia's points about not, uh, you know, having access to the same opportunities. Um, and so, you know, each person will come up with their own cause if they're, if they're willing enough to get educated. I keep saying it. Um, you know, and I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on, you know, what action is. You just have to be authentic with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's like you say, take the time. I mean, right now, I know that there's just like a lot that needs to be done, but, but your focus can just be in one area. Mine right now is on educational funding reform. Um, you know, I have a friend, she's a teacher. I connect with her. She shows me interesting articles to read, you know, the source of, of a lot of issues that she faces, why she can't provide, um, you know, after school hours to help some of her students, just like little things that I want to learn more about this to see what I can do. Who do I have to vote for to stop this? Because when I think of education and, and, and opportunity, you know, my issue is, is like, I work with a lot of black people. I know a lot of smart black people who are so freaking amazing. Why don't the others have the same opportunity? You know, instead they don't have the same opportunity and then they're face dealing with, you know, white supremacy or, you know, p- police beating them up and, and it just sucks. And, and, and some people don't think about, some people don't think about it that way. But if you really just take a step back and just read, take time to understand educational funding reform and just source and, and, and the root causes of some issues like that, you'll be able to understand why things are the way they are and the simple things that we can do to, you know, prepare for a better future. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, so you can take time to maybe focus your energy in one place at a time and then move on to, to the next one. Um, yeah, all great answers. And really, they all point logically to the next question, which is, if you could suggest a piece of media to help folks understand some key issues with the topics at hand, be it a book, movie, article, or podcast, uh, what would it be? 13th on Netflix. Not really an elaborate answer, but I mean, that's if you want to get started somewhere and you want to you know like what's, what's really behind the curtain and going to pull it back as far back as it goes, um, it's 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 raw. It's it's very sobering. My parents told me that they because they because they hadn't seen it actually. They're like it was it was very sobering to watch. Um, it'll bring up a lot of emotions. It'll for the vast majority of people who watch it educate them on something that they didn't already know about the history of the system. And it, it, it's it's specifically speaking on mass incarceration, but it, it's it's just all encompassing into what led to that point and how that point has continued to persist. Um, definitely, definitely watch 13th. I mean, it rips the bandaid off pretty aggressively, but I mean, it's, it's, there, there, there are no feelings or dipping your feet into the pool when it comes to this issue. If you, if you really want to try and make a difference when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's on YouTube right now for free. Yeah. So you don't even have to have a Netflix account at this point. And it's only what an hour, an hour 40. So that's like, you know, 
three, four office episodes. Like people watch that anyway. Yeah. So like just, just turn it on real quick and then watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, that was, I mean, I have another recommendation, but that's definitely an important one just because I feel like it bursts the bubble that like, because, because we used to hear that all the time. Like we still do, like, because we're living in modern times, somehow history is not repeating itself because I can't see it with my own eyes. Um, so I think that's probably like, should be the takeaway for seeing that. They, they do a good job of stringing together the different time frames and then you know, doing things visually that really paint the picture. Um, I think my pick is, and I think this is on the book list, right? Um, but I'm not your Negro. Uh, uh, by James Baldwin, you know, it, obviously it was a book, but, you know, Amazon, I think has a documentary that, that I've seen on it. Um, that, that's, that's pretty well done. Um, but you know, for people who don't know, you know, James Baldwin was an intellectual, um, like, you know, prized author. Um, and I think what that book does or, or that literature does is really, get into the mind of, of what it means to be a black intellectual. Um, and I feel like he speaks to things in a perspective that don't really give people the choice to think about not looking inward, right? And being able to hopefully start that journey of, you know, understanding where your racial bias is. Like people think it's just like black or white, like, you know, no pun intended, but um, that, oh, if I'm not racist, I don't believe those thoughts, then my job's done, <laughs> pack it up. And it's like, no, I mean, let's actually dive deep into, you know, when you see people who don't look like you, what are those thoughts, right? And like really sit and think about and reflect it on it. Um, and I think he does a good job of, you know, it, it is a little, uh, how do I put it? Um, it's not being around the bush, right? Where we are, it is very real and raw. Um, but I, but I think it's good for people to see that, um, you know, and when I, at least for me as a child, you know, growing up in my childhood, you know, Martin Luther King, it was the, was the black leader who was championed, right? Even though there were a bunch of other leaders that led that movement and actually might've been more important, right? Um, but he becomes the, the, you know, the, the martyr for it. I get it um, because of the message. Um, but, you know, towards the end of his life before he was murdered, right? He actually started to change the, you know, he started to, uh, at least alter the way he was looking at things. And, you know, he said things along the lines of, you know, I felt like when I was pushing for segregation, I was leading my people into a burning building, right? Like that's a realization that doesn't get sort of surfaced, but it's coming from the same man, right? And so James Baldwin, I think, kind of sheds light on some of these thoughts and, and, and just these ideas um, that go a little bit deeper, right, than showing you that America's not what it is, right? Like it, it, it's actually kind of getting inside the mind of the people who were oppressed in, uh, in that system, but then, you know, are able to still keep their sanity and really um, get to the space where they actually, they, they have a firm understanding of, you know, how to look at this country and how to navigate it, um, you know, and that, go, and that can apply to whether you're black or white. Mm -hmm. Mine is actually uh, an article. It's not a book or a movie, but sometimes something simply written kind of speaks a lot louder than anything else. 
Um, and my friend actually shared it with me and it's called If Black Lives Matter, let's prove it by fixing our schools, obviously, like I mentioned, like uh, educational funding reform is something that is very important to me right now. Um, so I've been surrounding myself with that. And I mean, obviously the way that systemic racism plays out in the education system is so vast and complex. So I highly recommend that article. Um, other than that, I mean, another topic that I have been trying to learn a lot more about is just those who are incarcerated. And uh, I did recently watch Just Mercy and that movie was, it, it was so beautiful and it touched me so much. And, and it's just insane the causes of why black men first get incarcerated and how little resources they have to get out. And I highly recommend that movie just to kind of paint a picture of um, that situation as well. So definitely uh, my, uh, my suggestion here would be a, a book called microaggressions in everyday life. Um, it basically investigates the idea that unintended bias is the worst kind of bias. And after reading this, this was suggested to me uh, by uh, a good friend who I've learned a lot from. And it really kind of, it, what really struck the chord with me was how I wasn't interested at first, but then when he said, when someone you hate says something uh, bad to you, you, it, it just kind of glances right off because you're expecting that from them. But it's the unintended, unintentional uh, bias that kind of surfaces from someone that you respect or love or work with all the time, something you didn't see coming that really can cut the deepest, that, that realization of, wow, that's, that's really what you think about me. Damn. Okay. Um, that kind of stuff is never easy to hear. But uh, yeah, uh, microaggressions in everyday life. Well, we covered a lot of good stuff here today. And in closing, I just want to remind everyone that it would be very easy to forget that this isn't just about the murder of George Floyd. That was the latest in a long lineage of things that shouldn't have ever happened and cannot be allowed to continue. Uh, having to face this reality every day is enough to leave you so fed up that you can't do anything but clench your fists and scream at the absurdity of it all. And we're seeing the effects of that in the streets right now and with the mental states of our loved ones and colleagues. But every journey starts with a first step. So the question arises, where do we go from here? The social unrest combined with the virus and the quarantine makes me feel like there is no normal to return to and that we are in a very unique position wherein we very much could all help shape what society looks like when we return to it. So no pressure here, but how do we do that? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a good question. Um, and honestly, one that there might not be a direct answer to because whatever it looks like is going to be something we haven't ever seen before, hopefully. Um, so, I mean, ideally, ideally what it looks like is Black people not being profiled by police, not being profiled by recruiters, not being profiled in any way, shape, or form as it pertains to everyday life. And that being the case for all black people, that being the case for everybody in America, regardless of what they look like. Um, you know, for me, it just looks like, again, kind of the point that I was talking earlier, is America being what it's always said it has been, but never has been, is, is, is to me what it looks like. I mean, we have, the, we have the blueprint in our everyday language and constitution. I mean, none of that mentions white, black, any other race, color, or creed. It mentions a state of being and it mentions a standard to which America holds itself. So I guess the answer, we have it. It's just a matter of doing it. And, and, and to me, it looks like putting money 
into places that can help with this issue. Like, you know, Trent and we were talking about like education, mental health, resources, things that help everyone and can help people feel like they can progress to a level of understanding of what their, what their ceiling is. Cause I mean, too much you hear, you hear people saying like when they're, when they're coming up, right? Like the only thing that you can do to, to make it in this world is pick up a ball or pick up a mic like that. And, that, and that's typically what you hear from the black community, especially people coming up. It's like, because the lack of resources and education is that people just don't know what their potential is and where they can see themselves. All they want to do is pick up a ball or pick up a mic because in their eyes and what they see and how America treats us, that's the only time we're treated with any type of respect. And so for me, it's eliminating that barrier. I mean, I, I love sports probably more than, you know, that, more than the average person. I know that I love sports, play football in college. I love music, but I want to be able to see more people who look like me doing more than just those things and having the opportunity to do more than just those things is, is what I ideally would like to see. And everything that, you know, from a step perspective, you know, where do we start? I mean, it just, it just starts with breaking down those barriers educationally and otherwise that are keeping people from, one, from doing it, two, from even understanding that they can do it and just kind of clear, clearing that up and making America a, a place where it's available opportunity for everybody who lives here and not people whose you know, grandparents came from Europe who now live here versus ones whose grandparents or great, great, great grandparents didn't have a choice in coming here. And now we're just stuck in this country that doesn't want to treat us as if we're, you know, equal to everybody else. That's what needs to be eliminated. That's what's going to take a lot of, a lot of time. You know, I keep saying it's not going to be, it's not going to happen next week. It's not going to happen in 2021. And it's, it's, it's not going to happen in 2020. It's, it's going to be a long process because there's a lot to unravel. Um, but I mean, that's, that's just eventually what I'd like to see is just America being what America thinks it is for everybody who lives here um, and, and just removing the barrier that, that black people have had to go, go through throughout the duration of its history. You know, I think that was well said. Um, I mean, I think, you know, what, what I think I'd like to see come out of this is, you know, and as far as like getting to that space that Cam's talking about in America sort of being what it says it is, is, um, you know, making it sort of top of mind, I think, and sort of starting to break down the, the silos that have kept those conversations um, a little, you know, either beneath the surface right or 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 dormant right so i think you know what's end up the, like we said the world's going to keep turning as it goes right like it's getting more diverse as we go um i feel like generations are becoming less or even more sorry even more removed um you know from some of these issues that that we're talking about right you know, you, you find kids right now who don't even understand, like, you know, some of this stuff at a, at a high level because they look at people as more of a human or more equal. So I think we'll get, you know, that's going to keep turning on its own. But I think, you know, people at right now who are in positions of power, which, you know, can mean anything. I can mean politicians who are, who are creating our laws that can mean, I mean, the, the police who are supposed to be protecting and serving the communities, um, you know, that can mean, 
powerful people in the corporate world. Um, you know, that can mean the educators that shape sort of how people understand history, right? Like whoever are, are in those positions of, of power. Um, I, I, I would like to think that because it's, it, it, I would like to think we're going to make it less cool to play, you know, the middle of the fence, right? I, I'd like to think that everyone kind of understands you're either with us or you're without us, right? And so hopefully that will create a domino effect for each of those portions of power, whatever it may be, um, to, to do the things necessary that are right that are right now, that need to be happening right now, in order to make that better future so that once you know we have the future generations coming up, they're not falling victim to the, the, the same things that we've seen continuing to repeat each other, like itself over and over and over again. Um, that, that, that's what I'd like to see. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, it will simultaneously allow us to have the conversations that have been, you know, necessary this entire time. Um, and hopefully everyone evolves to a space where it's just comfortable, right? You know, like, they're, you know, when I, I don't think they're the same thing. I think they're, they're, they're different in their own right. Um, but, you know, there is a common thread between things we've seen with the, with the Me Too, Me Too movement, right? Like it, to, to a degree has became, you know, almost kind of a public sin now to either be saying things that are derogatory towards women or, and we're, we're, you know, trying to do what's necessary to hold the people accountable that that were perpetrators, right, within that idea. And I'd, I'd like to think that, you know, when it comes to race issues, right, it should be out in the open and talked about in the open. Um, and, you know, hopefully we get to that space where, you know, we, we rid ourselves of, of some of the things that have been perpetuating a lot of this stuff. I think I've said it better. I mean, what you guys both said was just so beautiful. I mean, you know, we've, we're at a point now where we've opened a conversation that we can't suppress that anymore. It's going to stay, um, it's going to stay there. I know it's going to stay there for me from now on. We've opened up something that we've suppressed for so long. And if you imagine, if you think about all the voices that have been heard just in the past two weeks at such a fast rate, I mean, just imagine a, a year from now. And I am being hopeful that we will see change. I think about the generation now um, I mean, to your point, Jenna, our, our generation, I'm looking at my little cousins, they're learning so much faster. They're seeing information and they're kind of able to say, is that true? And then they can look it up and they talk about it with their friends. Um, I feel like us and, you know, the, the generations before us, we were kind of, we, we kind of learned about racism just through remarks that other people were saying. We have a generation here who, who, who feels the same way we used to feel. We, we didn't really understand race. And then here they are, you know, they're kind of learning about it, but at the same time, they have like this wide social network to be able to like kind of verify some other doubts that they're feeling. Do you see what I mean? So I think that them too, they're going to hold on to that power. I mean, us being in the digital media space, we know the power of reach of messages. And, 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 and I think that our next generation are more connected than ever so much so that they're able to kind of think twice, you know, before releasing information. And, and, and even for those who see things 
differently and, and, and who are not there yet, there are enough resources out there for us to be able to like open up that conversation with them and, and um, kind of help educate each other. So, um, you know, I see an America that is outspoken, that uh, is really fighting for what they believe in without suppressing any feelings. Um, that'll hopefully lead us to equality. And that, then we could be proud to say that, that we are part of the American dream. But until then, um, I will not be saying that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times we get, we focus, right? I mean, me for me, the pessimism is built off of what I've seen, what I've grown up on, um, and what continue. You know, once you see the same thing happening, <laughs> it's hard to to really look on the bright side. Um, but you know, there, there 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 is progress. There is a silver linings to some of some of these things that that are I think pushing the needle for you know a little bit ahead. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, I, I mean, I, I don't remember having a computer in my pocket. I mean, we had to like take time to rent out computer time when I was, you know, in fifth grade, like we were still kind of on the, um, can, you know, you go to the library, right? Like, you know, encyclopedias, right? Like it wasn't where it is right now. Um, and I think in the information, hopefully the, the truth really spreads more where people are. But yeah, like we're all saying in different ways, just more comfortable with, you know, um, you know, where the, like where, where the country is um, and, and seeing it for what it is, where the faults we have it. Cause that, that's the thing that hurts my feelings. I think the most out of all this stuff is like, we say this, we say, you know, no one's perfect, but then we're projecting this perfection idea that we're going to be that we're the number one country country in the world, right? Like, like as if other countries aren't advancing, right? Like, you know, I think once we start to look at things in the way we look at people, right? Like, no one's perfect. Everyone has flaws, right? And you know, the more you are in denial about those flaws, the harder it is for you to actually evolve. Um, and I feel like that generation will definitely hold. They'll, they'll be able to take it a lot farther with the tools that are leveling the playing field in, in, in my, you know, right. Like when, you know, I wasn't necessarily seeing black people get killed on camera, like not, you know, not in live when I was a kid, right. You would have to see documentary stories, right. But, you know, everyone has a, a camera, right. Like, so these are just tools that were not available before. Right. And, you know, to Ken's point, they were all new. When we, you know, when at least when I was a kid or much younger, um, and you know, I, I feel like you know when you look at that, and you know, it's funny, I guess, because I am getting a little bit older. Um, you know, you, you look at the kids as the future, and, and I think that's where you know you you can get hopeful. You know, for, at least from my perspective. Sky's the limit too with the with the generation coming up after us, like the kind of the younger. I remember people like, I think the sky's the limit. Cause like you said, like they're taking in information and learning information faster than people their age ever have. Like, I mean, I, I mean, just coming up, I mean, we were part of the cell phone era. We, we had flip phone. We now have like full computers at, at their fingertips from ages, whenever, six through the rest of their life. And they just can always have access to that information. Like you have, you have high schoolers organizing protests now, organizing big protests. Like that, like they, they, they don't play around. So that's that's another thing too. It's like just making sure that that whenever whenever the time comes for that generation to be in charge, that the battle that they have to fight 
isn't as big as a battle as it's, as it's been in the past. So that's, that's a great point, Talia. All right. Uh, well, I mean, we covered a lot of good stuff today. Uh, nowhere near really kind of enough. This conversation has to be ongoing. As uh, a hero of mine said, the marathon continues. Uh, Cam, Trent, Talia, thank you for joining us today. Uh, hopefully this is not the last we'll hear about this. Oh, yeah, hopefully not. And, uh, thanks for having us. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you.